0: Hey everyone, this is Brandon. And I'm Zach. And this, as always, is Mind the Snap. Yes, it is. Do you not have a snap joke for us this morning? Well, I, I don't...
1: I guess, I mean, how was your weekend? Or your week? Was it
0: good? I mean, yeah, it was, it was fine. It you had a good, good. week? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you have a good week?
1: Yeah, you know, I did. I did now... I mean, there was one thing, though. So oh, I, got, I got. Yeah, well, I got to thinking about cell phones. Uh-oh. And so, like... <sighs> Have you ever been driving? No. And wish that you oh. didn't have to hold your dadgum cell phone in your dadgum lap while you're driving?
0: You know, sometimes.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, right? And Or like two in the morning. You wake up, you go to the bathroom as one does, and whoops, slips out of your stubby little hands and drops into the toilet. Like, oh, that's so frustrating, right? Yeah. Well, good news. Because, oh snap, ultimate phone grips. Will stop know, that from happening. I think I've seen those. Right? Yeah. They're very handy. They're they're nice textured rubber. They really increase that grip. They also are magnetically sealed, so you can just
0: clip them right onto your car dashboard, which is very handy. And this is a whole podcast just about that. It is, yes. Oh, Snap Ultimate Phone Grips. So I mean we can talk about the new line that's coming out, new designs, new <laughs> very decals. Very sexy, very sexy. Yes, yes. Gray and purple. And- uh yeah. Uh okay, yeah. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> um this is episode Oh, 10. This is 10. This is, this is our this is our, uh, our centennial episode. It is a big moment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so we're, this, we're approaching 300 views. Yeah. I guess not getting but the plays. Pretty doggone close to 300 plays. Yeah. Uh, we had some great uh, fan responses for the last episode. That was really awesome. Yeah. Some good guests, uh, which we'll get some more guests in the future as well um so yeah i mean this is awesome yeah really big thanks to all of you guys out there who've been supporting the podcast and listening to us religiously for the last 10 episodes Uh, but hopefully we've got a lot more in store for you guys as we go along so bringing you the freshest marvel knowledge
1: and speaking of guests, I think we had a quick note at the beginning here that we wanted to touch on.
0: Yeah, before we get started, we did have uh, a submission that we missed for the last one uh, that was on our Spotify because I forgot that I have it set where people can submit answers to things on Spotify itself. So we actually got one on Spotify from CDA Girl 98 uh, who actually was talking about Miles Morales, which I was sad we didn't touch on because that was a unique one that no one even mentioned in mm-hmm. the last episode. Um, and she says Miles Morales in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse because she resonates with his arc on a personal level and loves how he finds his powers and his own identity as Spider-Man. And also the film itself is just lit. So
1: nice, I like it. That's a good comment and well yeah. thought out. That was awesome. And yeah. so it just
0: felt like we needed to touch on that before we get started here because that one I really liked that one. I was sad that we missed it for the last last recording. Definitely, so, definitely. Yeah. But we do appreciate all of you for submitting your responses into us for that one. Absolutely. So, today we are talking
1: Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm
0: so freaking excited. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is coming out in May. And this is our last episode, I believe, before our review of Guardians of the Galaxy. The next one will be the review. Um, And so, today we're going to be talking about our expectations for the film, kind of what we thought of the trailers. what we might predict to happen just like we did with ant-man uh and then we're also going to touch a little bit on the high evolutionary um and even have a fun related character bio so just Absolutely. so you guys are fully prepared for the movie uh in a couple weeks yeah sounds good all right let's jump in perfect so thoughts on guardians of the galaxy volume three what, um, let's do this yeah
1: what are what do you think are the possible outcomes for this movie
0: so, as we've seen from the last few trailers, um, we know that this will be the end of mm-hmm. uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, because they do call it the Farewell Tour, uh, and they have been saying, um, that we're saying goodbye to these characters for now, um, which is sad, because they're some of my favorite movies for you mm-hmm. both of them, both of the first two were phenomenal, um, so that is sad, uh, but I suppose that has to come eventually, just like we've seen Iron Man die, and we've seen Captain America move on, these characters, um just kind of have to move on as the story progresses forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you run the risk of of uh, kind of wearing out a welcome, right? Some of them right. are, are really funny characters or they're poignant or whatever. And, you know, I think if you drag that out too long, I mean, if you get good writing, you know, it, there have been shows that have, have stayed out of high quality for a number of years. But, you know, there's a concern that some of these characters might get overused or the joke might wear thin on some of them like Drax. So yeah. I can appreciate kind of putting it to rest.
0: Sure, sure. So, I mean... The other thing that I've been noticing about these, I don't know if you've been noticing some things about this, we know that because the movie is going to center around the high evolutionary, we know that Rocket is going to be the secret protagonist of this film, which doesn't bode well either, because (laughs) a lot of the posters have been focusing really on Rocket and kind of leaving the other Guardians out. Um, and there's that one scene in particular from the trailer where they're all gathered around what appears to be a medical bed, mm-hmm. um, and we can't see who it is in the bed. But I think we all have our guess. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate
1: here, and sure. I believe that the marketing is intentionally misleading us. Okay, I'm suspicious about how hard they're drumming this this beat that rockets in danger. Okay. Right? I'm not saying he won't be at some point in the show. I think he will be. Mm-hmm. But I, if there's a character death, I don't believe it's going to be Rocket.
0: Well, we did, so we did, on that note, we did see... Did you watch the new... So they released a scene, a clip. Oh, no, I, a haven't, I haven't seen the clip. Um, so the clip is they're on Counter-Earth. Okay. Um, where all the high evolutionaries experiments yeah. live. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool, because that's what it is in the comics. So was cool to see that. Um, but they're on Counter-Earth, which is basically a replica of our Earth. Um As a home for the High Evolutionary's experiments. And they're going out of this house that they're hiding out in, the Guardians. And they're headed to this car. And he's taking Nebula and Groot with him. Mm -hmm. And he tells Drax to stay in the house with Rocket because they're coming after him. So we do know that Rocket is... That the High Evolutionary... Is coming after Rocket for one reason or another.
1: You know, and I, well, and I'm I'm curious to see because, and we're gonna we're gonna dive deeper later in this podcast into the backstory for High Evolutionary, right? Um, so would you like would you like me to pause while you open up your uh, your muffin? I'm sorry, I, I got a muffin top. I'm hungry. <laughs> um, and anyway, uh, I think that. Again, we wouldn't want to necessarily make the assumption that Rocket is one of High Evolutionary's creations. Okay. We'll, we'll get into why that could be logical when we start talking about who High Evolutionary is. But, again, I wonder if instead it's going to be more like he's curious about Rocket and how he came to be because he's similar to maybe what High is trying to do. Again, I'm just conjecturing. Sure. But I, I could see a situation where instead of it being, oh, Rocket's actually secretly one of his things, one of his creations... That's it's more like he wants to understand Rocket, how that happened, and maybe even I could see want to destroy him, if not
0: do some experiments on him, maybe. Okay. Um, just based I'd on what that. I know about his character. Yeah. I'd buy that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, because we know in the comics in the past, he's tried to experiment on characters we know and love right. previously, um, including making 87 clones of Craven the Hunter. Yes. Um, <laughs> now you're starting to steal some of my body. I'm sorry. But, uh, I'm sorry. I just got to throw that out there because yeah. I thought that was funny. But um, yeah, so I mean... I I I see where you're coming from, and I could honestly see them doing that. That he's mm-hmm. more curious about Rocket's nature, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, I don't know. I'm very excited for this movie. I will be sad if they kill someone. So should we should we start a Deadpool? Uh, an actual start deadpool? a Deadpool? Yeah, <laughs> we um, could, Yeah, yeah.
1: If I had to lay odds, okay, I would say two to one that it's Drax, and I have one reason for that because the actor David is it Benoit Ben. No, Batista. Batista. Thank you. Um, he has made it very clear that he's done with Rex. Hmm. That he feels like he's getting too old to get into the shape that require, is required. Doesn't really want to keep taking his shirt off and shows old, old man. That. I get that. You know, yeah, his old man bod. I get um, that. So I kind of feel like he's kind of the one that there's no chance probably that he'd come back at some point. Yeah, and I think he, I think he's a sympathetic character as well, right? So if he if he were to be the one to sacrifice himself in some fashion, I could see that resonating. Mm -hmm. So that's
0: my Deadpool. I think he's the most likely. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I get that. I buy that. Um, I don't know if killing off Drax will have the punch that killing off a character like Rocket would. Mm -hmm. Because killing off Groot doesn't have a punch anymore because we know that he can come back. Um, Star-Lord is the one character that Chris Pratt actually says that he would be willing to move forward with. So I think that they would bring Star-Lord. If they're resting the Guardians, I think chances of seeing just Star-Lord come back are pretty high. It sounds um, like
1: it. I didn't realize he said that. That's yeah. interesting. Well,
0: because he talked about that and he talked about um, like his new roles and stuff and what he's being cast in. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of rumors he's going to be cast as Booster Gold in the DCU. Okay. With I could see that. Penn. Yeah. Um, so I think that he's still willing to do these roles because Chris Pratt's the kind of guy that like once he has a role that he falls in love with, he's kind of like, let's just do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that... We, we, there's a chance of seeing him come back as Star Lord. So I would buy that Drax dies. I would also buy that Nebula dies. Um, but my money, my Deadpool, if you will, is still on Rocket. Okay. All right. Because I get the I get the, the concept of they might be pushing it a little too hard to right. make people think that it's Rocket right. and then have it not be. Um, but I, judging by Star Lord's reaction in that scene with the bed, I don't. I just don't see that it could be anyone other than Gamora or Rocket. But Gamora had that whole wipe thing happen to her. Her character is fresh now. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're going to kill her. It's possible that they make her sacrifice herself for Peter again. Mm -hmm. um, Because, I mean, that would be kind of an emotional scene. Um, But, yeah, that's my two guesses. But I think I'm still leaning towards Rocket in my Deadpool.
1: And I guess here's a follow-up question. Does there have to be a death in Guardians 3 to properly wrap it up and make it resonate as the end of a trilogy.
0: Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: I mean, that's kind of, I guess, my thought too, is, is like, it doesn't have to be, and I don't know that we want to set the expectation that the way we wrap up every kind of group of characters arc is that somebody dies.
0: True. Oh, yeah, I yeah. get that. Because then it's going to be, you're going to start to anticipate it, right? And I think they're better if they keep it where you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, because we did see that with the Avengers. We saw that with Mm Spider-Man. It is starting to become a pattern, that's true. Yeah.
1: Well, and even Doctor Strange, we saw what we we think is Scarlet Witch dying. I mean, we think that there might be some ways around that, but... Uh, it appeared that she had died at the end of Doctor Strange as well.
0: Yeah, presumably she's not because they have way too many plans for her in the future. Well, um, except
1: if you believe her interview lately, you know she didn't. I, d- I don't buy that <laughs> though. She did the same thing everybody does and said there's she no contract. She an Garfield. Yeah, yeah, no one's asked me to be on anything. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I don't buy yeah. that at all yeah. because there were talks about giving her her own film and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and we've got Vision Quest coming up, right? And we've got Agatha Coven of Chaos coming up, right. I don't buy that she's gone. I just don't.
1: I, frankly, I don't either. I don't. She's not i mean she's an actress who is someone in demand but she's not as high profile as like robert downey or something who might be difficult to just at a moment's notice get you know right. into a film i think that she'd be more available so right
0: yeah i just feel like there's not a chance that scarlet witch who they're setting up to be one of the most powerful like villains slash anti-heroes in the marvel universe just to be gone in doctor strange number two right. you know what i mean right so i well, don't know i don't I, buy that she's gone
1: I think she deserves a redemption arc as well. I mean, she's, oh, yeah. she's technically a hero who, you know, let her...
0: Misguided, albeit as she is. Well, she
1: let her bad side take over, and she, you know and I mean, it was a grief. You know, she was grieving as well, and I get all that. But, mm-hmm. so I think that she deserves a
0: redemption arc. I'd, I'd like to see that. Grieving I mean. over her fake children and her dead robot husband. <laughs> yes. Hey, this is the Marvel Universe. Weirdness is kind of <laughs> stock and trade here. I, I suppose <laughs> that's true, yes. Um, yeah, so, I mean... Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm i choosing to go into Guardians kind of open-minded um, and just kind of blank slate mm-hmm. because there's a lot about High Evolutionary and Adam Warlock that they're sticking close to the comics, but I think they're also going to change quite a bit, especially with Adam. Um, and so I'm trying to go into Guardians kind of like expecting whatever they're going to give to me, mm-hmm. but I'm excited. Spirits are high. Um, I don't know. I think personally, because I've seen kind of the track record that we have in this latest Release of Marvel from you know Doctor Strange and I Am in Quantumania like I'm a little worried but I think Guardians potentially has the quality in it to be the best Marvel movie of Phase Five. That's my personal opinion. I
1: think there's a chance we gotta we gotta think too that we know who the we know who the writers and directors are right. right? They're people that we trust. They've done good things. I mean I, I was a little less excited about Guardians two than you were but. Uh, you know, I think it still holds up as an okay movie, and the it's not definitely not one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and James Gunn does usually a pretty good job. So yeah. I I trust that this will be a decent product. Um so yeah, I agree with you. I'm not really worried about it being you know one of the low points of the phase for sure. Yeah.
0: Because special effects in it already looked better yeah. than the previous movies, which that they kind of started work on Guardians before all the bad special effects started to happen. So I think a lot of that is carryover. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be well-rounded and, and and good all around and the suits are cool i like seeing the old the classic uh comics guardians mm-hmm. outfits coming into the blue and red is cool so. yeah
1: that was a that was a nice touch yeah yeah
0: yeah i mean i i'm
1: excited as well and optimistic that he knows what he's doing and can wrap it up in a way that's pleasing and mm-hmm. i wouldn't mind seeing some of the characters i do have a concern about uh well, let me finish my thought i wouldn't mind seeing some of the characters move forward into other franchises or other movies mm-hmm. i do have some concern about characters like mantis and Grax. If Drax, you know, if, if this is a fake out and he would come back and keep doing it um, because I feel like they don't work as well. When they're by themselves, we
0: at least yeah. I feel like we saw that in the Christmas special, but it wasn't quite as good. It gave them a highlight, and I feel like it didn't really live up to expectation.
1: Yeah, it's just a little too much of Drax and too much of Mantis. They need someone to bounce off of. So I don't right. know. They I need mean, a straight,
0: a straight shooter.
1: Yeah, maybe it works if you bring them into an ensemble setting, like like Secret Wars, let's say, or maybe they're mm-hmm. just a character who has ten minutes of screen time overall, and it's not you know focused on their shenanigans. Like the they were time. in Avengers in yeah. Endgame. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I might be more okay with that, but.
0: Yeah, um, I buy that. I just don't think Mantis and Drax and characters like that work well outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy because the Guardians have a vibe to them that mm-hmm. the other teams don't have, uh, which is this kind of like fun, like space-faring, swashbuckling, right? kind of adventure setting, like a questing movie. Yeah, it's a um, bit of
1: Star Trek mixed with like Firefly, the TV show. That yeah, kind of thing. exactly. Yeah,
0: right, exactly. And I think that that they fit well in that setting, mm-hmm. but I think taken out of that setting, like the Christmas special, kind of took them out of that mm-hmm. setting. Um, it doesn't work as well. It's yeah. not as believable. That's a good
1: point. I'll buy that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think if the guardians truly are done with this movie, which they have been saying it is, I just don't think we're going to see those characters come back um, very often, if at all. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it.
1: Well, one thing I think, you know, when I think about a possible Deadpool or people that would survive, one of the things I think that I go back to too is who are the easiest characters to bring back, and I feel like honestly one of the reasons why I feel Rocket won't die is he and Groot are probably the two easiest because they're really just CG and voice actors. Yeah. Um, So it doesn't matter how old, let's say, Vin Diesel gets or how old um, Bradley Cooper gets. They can always do the voice.
0: They just have to sit in a booth and talk. Yeah.
1: So I I could feel like Marvel would be very hesitant to kill off those two because it's pretty easy to keep using them.
0: Well, especially because in the comics, there's quite a bit of run where Rocket and Groot just kind of do their own thing. Yeah. The two of them. Yeah. So I could see Marvel almost doing like a Rocket and Groot TV show. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, If they decided to, if they truly, if both of them do live through this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. I don't know so anyway that's i guess why i lean away
1: from him sure dying that. because of the fact that they're also pushing it so hard that combo makes you think you know i think they've got some other plans but we'll see yeah yeah um, i don't know let's see what other thoughts do you have on the trailers of the movie anything you want to cover mm-hmm.
0: the most recent trailer was kind of funny i thought because they had the one with the where he's trying to talk to uh gamora about her past life the life she doesn't remember mm-hmm. um and he's talking to her, and then Mantis goes like, "This is an open channel. You're telling everyone." <laughs> and he's and they're like trying to explain like the colors of the buttons for the, on their arm and stuff like right. all that's it's it's all classic like Guardians. It's very Guardians. Yeah. yes. And so I'm just really excited for that. Um, one thing that I did want to ask your opinion about is Adam Warlock. So in the most recent trailer, we got kind of a better view of him. We got a look yeah. at his suit, a look at him flying around and shooting laser beams mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think that what kind of role he's gonna play in this in this film? You
1: know, I mean, my take on it is that he'll probably start out villainous and then probably realize he's on the wrong side. You know, from some mm-hmm. event that occurs. That's my guess because I don't think they're going to leave Warlock as as a villain all the way through. Um, I, I don't know. I mean. His initial appearances, I was not pleased with his look. Uh, I thought his look was very fake and kind of weird. Mm, okay. um, but, you know, this trailer, he looked a little better, maybe in motion and things. He, he won't look so bad when he's not just standing talking to somebody. Um, I, so we'll see on the on the CG side and the costuming how that works. Um, but as far as the character, I mean, he's a character who has some interesting ties to the universe, and I think yeah. I think done right, he could stick around for a while. Um, but so, so in that sense, maybe Marvel is going to leave him a little bit vague or like shades of gray for a while so that we don't know you know whose side he's going to be on
0: i could totally see that because we know in the comics he has a lot of ties to the celestials yes. and stuff and yes. a lot of universal hopping mm-hmm. um so i could totally see them bringing him into like eternals too yeah maybe even and making him deal with some of the <laughs> if
1: it gets off the ground i keep hearing that they have not greenlit that one yet really <laughs> yeah <laughs> well
0: that one yeah the first one didn't do great for marvel i heard like it didn't it wasn't terrible but it didn't get the ratings and the right. money that the they reviews. wanted yeah um and i would guess it's a so. fairly expensive
1: franchise you know to put on because there's so many characters and there's so much a lot CG of special effects yeah. yeah
0: i thought it was kind of cool and unique the way they did it, it though, was, personally mm-hmm. um so i would like to see a second one it does make me nervous because they're talking about the kit harrington stuff yeah um did you hear he might be in blade now well, that was something that I had said way back when we first
1: saw the scene with the the end credit scene. Oh, really? Yeah, I just I guess to me it always seemed to fit that he would go to Blade. That's um, the a, Black Knight in Blade. Well, he's a swordsman, and yes. and I but think Blade's whole a,
0: thing is like the dark magic, like supernatural stuff. But
1: that kind of has ties to
0: some of some of Black Knight's backstory. Like that me, sword talks to him, and so there's something yes. weird with the sword. Yeah,
1: I mean, I get that Blade's thing is vampires, and I think they're gonna they're gonna need, especially the first movie with Blade. I think they need to focus on that. Cause Morbius, haven't uh, played Morbius. <laughs> yeah, it's morbid time. I was just gonna
0: say uh, in, his first appearance, he comes out of the shadow, he's like, It's morbid time. <laughs>
1: But I don't know, I mean I still could see a place where Black Knight would fit, though. Yeah. In Blade. And I honestly I'm excited about both. I'm excited about Blade. Uh, Black Knight has always been a character of mine that I like. Well Kate
0: Harrington is such a good actor. Yeah, he
1: can be definitely good. So like you know, I would like to see both the Blade movie be a good solid movie. You know, I'm a little nervous because they had that that pullback where they basically went back and rewrote a bunch of stuff in it.
0: Right. They swapped out the writer. Yeah.
1: So it doesn't, you know, it's kind of reminding me of She-Hulk, right? Where it didn't get off the ground very well, um, yeah, and that one didn't turn out super great, either. right? Yeah, it has moments, but I think a lot of it was weak. So anyway, we'll see what Blade ends up. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind him being in it. I think that would be a good way to kind of push his character forward. He really, if they're going to use him, he needs to be ready to go by one of the Avengers movies because he is truly yeah. he's an Avenger, right? And you know, he needs to fit there, not so much the Eternal side of things, more the Avenger side. Yeah. So I think mean, yeah, they could I'd buy that.
0: Yeah, move him into Secret Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, because there yeah. If Eternals never gets off the ground, which it may not, they yeah. may just decide not to do it. And maybe they just roll the
1: eternal storyline, you know, kind of like they did with Hulk, and I get that Hulk has some different reasons around legalities and, and yeah. rights. But they can maybe do the same kind of thing where the eternal story is advanced in the Avengers movies and Well, some I could way. see them
0: rolling it into like Kang Dynasty or Secret yeah. Wars or something like yeah. that. Uh, which I heard Secret Wars. Is, or Kang Dynasty one? I think Secret Wars right is starting writing next year they're starting oh, are they? production on it next year I mean it makes sense that's a big tentpole movie so
1: it's going to yeah. take them time to get everything ironed out
0: well and I think it's smart to start writing it now because that lets you sow the seeds yes. in the movies that are coming just like they did with Infinity War yeah because um, if you start writing it early then you can be like oh well, we know this is going to happen so let's throw a one off scene at the end of like I don't know Secret Invasion or something mm-hmm. you know what I mean so
1: yeah well, we've definitely digressed from Guardians. We have uh, <laughs> digressed from Guardians a hot bit, but that's okay. So before we get to uh, your character bio, which I'm yeah. very looking forward to this time, because I um, he's a character that I'm trying not to reveal who it is yet. But, Thank you. But he's a character who I know some about, but not the intricacies of the backstory, so I'm very curious.
0: I've read a um, lot of the major, I guess I'm going to use this phrase again, temple comics uh-huh. with him in them. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting character. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. So before we get to that, sure. are there
1: any other Guardians thoughts?
0: Um, I don't know. I like the look of it. I'm very excited. Um, I definitely think it's going to be an interesting and a unique storyline and film, And it's, but it seems already from the clips that I've seen, it feels very Guardians already. Yeah, for sure. So I'm very excited for that. But
1: yeah. I think it'll be good. Awesome. All right. Well, we will take a quick break and we're going to be back with a bio. Yep.
0: Welcome back to Mind the Snap. Um, We have a fun character bio set up for you guys that ties into Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Today, I'm going to bring you Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock, awesome. So, let's go ahead and uh, jump into it here. Uh, Adam Warlock was created by the group of researchers who called themselves the Enclave. The goal of the researchers was to create the perfect human being, the the pinnacle of future human evolution. The creature whom they created, then only known as him, emerged, and immediately sensed upon his emergence that his creators sought to use him for evil ends. He lashed out, damaging the complex and injuring his fathers, and promptly escaped. Unfortunately for him, he was a being with no life experience due to his unique conception. He promptly encountered Thor and attempted the abduction of the Lady Sif in order to mate with her. Thor, of course, promptly beat the young godling near to death. Him promptly retreated to the safety of his regenerative cocoon, and thus was later reborn. Upon his rebirth, Him was named Warlock by the High Evolutionary, who became a guiding force in the life of the reborn godling. The High Evolutionary gave Warlock purpose, direction, and the vampiric soul gem. Warlock journeyed to the planet called Counter Earth, one of the High Evolutionary's experiments that had recently been contaminated. Counter-Earth had been an attempt to create a utopian society, and it had been so till the evil Man-Beast, a renegade creation of the High Evolutionary, had corrupted it. Warlock met a group of Counter-Earth teenagers who gave him the name Adam so that he could have two names like they had on their Earth. With their help, Adam eventually defeated the Man-Beast. After Man Beast's eventual return, forcing Adam, now Counter-Earth's champion, after his original victory, as well as his victory against flying robotic birds, with the help of Counter-Earth's Victor Von Doom, uh, to fight him once again, he was defeated, of course, Man Beast was defeated, um, but rose with another army, including our Earth's Hulk, to once again defeat Man Beast. So Man Beast just keeps keeps coming back, and Warlock just keeps telling him where to sit. <laughs> Uh, This time for good, by de-evolving him to his original form. Warlock then left Counter-Earth and all his followers, saying that he was needed among the stars to help other worlds that needed his assistance. Soon afterwards, Warlock came into contact with a malicious being known as the Magus, a twisted future incarnation of himself, totally insane and horribly powerful. As the head of the Universal Church of Truth, a religious terror organization worshipping the Magus, he had ground billions of life forms across the cosmos under his heel. Warlock fought the Magus, but could not succeed on his own, for his future self possessed vast might. Eventually, with the help of Pip the Troll, Gamora, and the nefarious Thanos of Titan, Warlock succeeded in eliminating the timeline from which the Magus sprang, thus canceling his existence retroactively throughout time. Then, in a brilliant yet disturbing countermove, Thanos projected Warlock two years into the future, where he encountered his dying self, embittered, preparing to give birth anew to the Magus. Warlock then took the soul of his dying future self into the soul gem, thus ending the threat of his evil counterpart entirely. Thanos, meanwhile, had fallen so deeply in love with the female manifestation of death that he planned to destroy the stars themselves, annihilating everything that lived as the greatest gift to her that she had ever received and his ward, Gamora, found out about this plan. She attacked him and was struck down brutally. Warlock found her soon afterwards and took her soul into his soul gem, learning the full extent of Thanos' plan in the process. Distraught and enraged, Warlock sought out allies to insist him in his gambit against the Mad Titan. He journeyed to Earth and the Mansion HQ of the Mighty Avengers. There he told them, and the recently arrived Captain Marvel and Moondragon, of Thanos' plan to detonate the stars. The Avengers then made immediate plans to attack Thanos' starship, the Sanctuary 2. A battle ensued in which Captain Marvel and Iron Man destroyed Thanos' powerful star gem projector, and Warlock was struck down. Immediately after, Thanos teleported away with Warlock's body and led his crew to defeat the Avengers. With Warlock's gem, he possessed enough power at least to destroy Earth's primary son, Sol. However, Spider-Man would intervene. Destroying the device containing the Soul Gem, which held Adam's body. This freed Warlock's soul, creating a being of pure energy that turned Thanos to granite. After this, Adam's spirit returned to blissful life inside the Soul Gem. Warlock lived peacefully for several years in Soul World, with Pip and Gamora, until Thanos again became a threat to all who lived. Encountering Drax the Destroyer and the noble Silver Surfer after Thanos abducted their souls, Warlock again made plans to thwart the titan. To execute these plans, Warlock projected the souls of himself, Pip, and Gamora into three recently deceased humans. His powers reshaped their shattered bodies into new, powerful versions of their old bodies. Then he went about gathering Earth's remaining champions to attack Thanos on his space platform. These included Hulk, Wolverine, and many others. However, the attack by Earth's heroes was a distraction designed to allow the Silver Surfer to snatch the almighty Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos' grasp. Even though this failed, Thanos' divinity was lost thanks to the machinations of Nebula, in which scuffle, Adam gained the gauntlet and achieved true godhood. Murlock was soon afterwards convinced by the Living Tribunal that he was unworthy to become supreme, and divided the gems amongst himself, the Soul Gem, Gomorrah, The time gem pip the space gem drax power gem moon dragon the mind gem and secretly thanos to which he gave the reality gem they became the infinity watch a group used to protect the stones from those who would misuse them the watch would eventually crumble into distrust and being from another universe and a being from another universe took all of the gems forcing adam to go off by himself to recover them after a while of dimension traveling, including killing a couple of gods and dying once or twice, Adam was reunited with his Soulstone. Driven by an irresistible urge related to the now unstable Soul Stone, Warlock traveled through space until he found Thanos locked in contemplation on the now-dead world called Rigel Three, and soon found that the Titan was feeling remorse over his part in what happened to the planet, as well as his many past misdeeds. Thanos went on to express a desire to start putting things right, so he could conquer his personal demons and find a measure of peace, and wished to start this journey with the Regilians themselves. Warlock offered to accompany Thanos on his journey to New Rigel 3, and Thanos accepted, referring to Warlock as his conscience. The two worked together to save New Rigel III from the world-eater Galactus. Much later, after Star-Lord and Nova helped Adam defeat a giant-sized Ultron, Adam forwarded the Guardians of the Galaxy. Standing, stating the need for such a team was monumental to protect the universe. After Gamora vowed to collect all the Infinity Stones and reconnect with her missing half trapped in Adam's Soulstone, forcing her to be stopped by her old team as well as the new Cosmic Avengers, Warlock then gave the Infinity Stones sentience so they could determine their own fates and to prevent others from fighting over them. Adam was shocked though when the Soul Stone chose to leave him and fly off to parts unknown. The Guardians, now minus a lost adam warlock continue to defend the universe from threats unknown nice
1: all right that is our bio on adam warlock Mm -hmm. and we'll be right back to talk about the high evolutionary awesome All right, and we are back. So one thing I was going to mention real quick about Adam Warlock is I always was kind of struck by the fact that Marvel never introduced him leading into Aven- into like an Infinity War in Endgame.
0: Right, because he was a big part of the Huge Infinity War. Huge part, yeah. yeah.
1: So I'm curious to see if his appearance now means that they may someday have additional plans for Thanos or if... You know and that whole sequence of storyline that you just covered or if that's just done now from marvel's perspective
0: i think what i could see them doing is actually doing an adam warlock movie where he has to fight the magus his future version of himself um and then we'll see like the return of pip the troll um who we saw briefly at the end yes. of eternals right um and i think also we might see starfox which was harry styles character from that movie I think we might see them pop in in that movie. Well, and we maybe could some see some Avengers. Who knows? And we maybe could Star see, Lord and Gamora even. And Gamora, like, I mean, yeah. she has a pretty major role in that. So, um, I mean, it'd be an interesting
1: way to kind of call back to Infinity War and Endgame, which arguably are maybe the pinnacle of Marvel movies so far. Sure. Um, you know, I think Marvel would want to go back to that that happy time, especially
0: right now with the feedback they're getting. So, yeah, cool. Because I think an Adam Warlock movie where they kind of deal with some more of the space stuff. I mean, you could even have a like a quick call to Galactus in that mm-hmm. film. Um, Maybe that awakens him, right, for later use? Yeah, yeah, the combat with the Magus, I could see that, yeah. Because we know Silver Surfer ties in a lot to Adam Warlock, right. as we just heard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we could even see, like, a makeshift version of the Infinity Watch sort of mm-hmm. form in order to defeat the Magus. Like, there's a lot of stuff they yeah. can do with his character. It's interesting. Yeah. All right, well,
1: thanks for covering that. That was good. Yeah, one. of course. That was fun. All right, so let's talk about one of my favorite characters, the High Evolutionary. Yeah. And he's really my favorite for a couple reasons, and I'll cover one of them in a minute about kind of my, my memories that I've got. Uh, well, it's
0: funny because I almost never hear you talk about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess when I say he's one of my favorites, I have a lot of good memories from a certain period of my childhood around okay. him. And then also I just think that some of his motivations are interesting. Not necessarily that I agree with him, but they're interesting ones for a comic character.
0: So, Well, I have a quick question, too, before yeah. we jump sure. into this. Um, the High Evolutionary, as we saw in the Adam Warlock bio that I just read... Um, the High Evolutionary kind of gave birth to what who we now know as Adam Warlock before he was Adam Warlock. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that we're going to see Adam be created by um, the gold skin people that we saw at the end of Guardians 2? Um, is it possible that we're going to see him kind of end up like kind of similar to his backstory in the comics, kind of drifting through the cosmos, unsure of himself, come across the High Evolutionary who basically sends him out to go fetch Rocket for him? Mm-hmm. Like, has kind of like his personal henchmen almost?
1: I mean, I could see that so much of the comics High Evolutionary is tied around using his experiments to do his work for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but possible. I mean, I could see that, you know, again, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has shown that it will deviate from the comics and I could see that.
0: Well, especially if he reforms who Adam Warlock is, mm-hmm. he could almost consider him in one of his, sure. his experiments. Yeah, and yeah. would thusly use him as such. But yeah. I mean, that's just a theory. It's a good thought. Know. We'll
1: see. So, High Evolutionary. So, he yeah. we know obviously is going to have a prominent role in Guardians 3. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played by Chukwudi Iwuji. Um, and he's Chuck Wody's a very very good actor, so I'm I'm sure that he's gonna do a great job in this role. Okay. I do think it's gonna be a tough one to pull off without seeming seeming kind of cornball and maybe like over the top because you'll see him we talk as we talk about him. He's definitely got his moments in Mar, in the Marvel Universe where he does a lot of mustache
0: twirling and like you know wahaha <laughs>
1: kind of stuff. He's a he's
0: a um, a Mr. Sinister esque uh, villain. Yeah, he's
1: yes. In fact, he has ties to Mr. Sinister at one point. But um, yeah, I mean, I just it's gonna be something to get. It's gonna be a delicate. Battle to get the right tone for him. Mm. So that's the only thing we'll see. But I do think that uh, Chukwudi is a very good actor, so if anyone can do it, I think he could, but we'll see. All right, so anyway, um, the first time we see the High Evolutionary in the Marvel Comics universe is Thor number 133 back in October of 1966. So he's been around a long time. Ah, He's older than I thought he was. Yes, yeah. So in that issue, he's actually only mentioned, we don't see him, um, but the issue, basically the gist of it, is that Thor lands on and meets Ego, the living planet. Okay. Who we can recognize from Guardians 2. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, he discovers that Ego lurks in the Black Galaxy, and he's he's... Basically taking on um, a humanoid body and getting ready to conquer space. So again, some of the storyline from Guardians Two is in that issue. Okay. Um, so Ego starts to create all these multiple copies of himself, and then to prove these ready, he basically challenges Thor to a duel. He's like, I can, I'm going to fight you, and if I can defeat this Asgardian god. Then that means I'm ready to go out and just waste a bunch of people. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. So Thor fights him and actually ends up kind of defeating a lot of his copies that Ego is creating, and ends up doing what Thor does, which he thunders. thunders. He thunders a thunderstorm. Okay. He, he <laughs> summons a thunderstorm um, to basically in space. He does it apparently. Okay. Allegedly, yes. All right. To to make his escape. And to defeat Ego. Where does it come from? Uh, that is a good question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, Ego then afterwards admits his defeat and seals off the Black Galaxy, which is where Ego exists, um, and vows to wait and kind of you know improve on his plans until later. So I'm generous of him. That's the A plot. Now, in the B plot is where we hear about High Evolutionary. So this features Thor's love, Jane Foster, right. um, and she she basically, in, in the previous issue, in Thor 132, she runs into a man with rather pig-faced features, which, spoiler alert, that's going to be important later, um, called by the unfortunate name of Porga. Um, so she is compelled, for some reason, she feels, to get on this airplane with Porga and take a random flight to somewhere in Europe. Uh, Porga admits to her that he is also feeling compelled to do the same thing. So they're, like, tugged in a way they don't understand towards this place in Europe.
0: I don't like where this is going. <laughs>
1: well, so jump forward to this issue, and Jane and Porga have landed in a small European town, and basically they kick around trying to figure out why they're there. They run into a gentleman called Count Tegar, um, who is a, says he's a colleague of Porga's, and tells them, especially after hearing, so he hears that Jane is a nurse, and that makes him interested right. in her backstory. And he says, you know, you really should go find a guy called the High Evolutionary who's around these parts. That's all we know about him at that point. It just there's a name thrown out there. It is not until Thor number 134, the next issue, that we actually see him. Um, so basically what happens is Jane and this pig-faced porga guy, they're attacked by some random ruffians, as one gets in the streets of a city, I guess. Um, and Backstreet <laughs> London, baby. <laughs> They are rescued by what turns out to be servants of the High Evolutionary, known as the Knights of Wundegore. So oh. that name might be familiar to some people who watch Doctor Strange, because we know that there is a battle on Wundegore Mountain in, oh, yes. in that uh, that's movie. A good, that's a good
0: call out. Yes. That's a good call-out, yeah.
1: Well, and it's relevant to kind of some of this backstory of High Evolutionary in a way okay. that I wonder if we will see it mentioned in the movie.
0: I mean, it's possible, because we know a lot of this movie is going to be based in Counter-Earth. Right. But it's possible we're going to see a quote well, back his to his origin, earlier Earth days. Yes,
1: his origin is very much Wondagore. So, yeah. given that Marvel's cinematic universe viewers have already heard that term, I could see that maybe they'll mention it in passing. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. he could talk. I mean, maybe that's the reason he left Earth. Right. Is the fight on the mountain? Could be. Yeah. Know. It scared him away. It scared him away. He's like, ah. Huh. Or <laughs> maybe I'm he like, saw. Hold on. on. Maybe he saw the power that they had, and that's when he began his experiments on Counter Earth to recreate sure. that kind of raw power.
1: Although, I don't know it has that much time passed between... Yeah, Strange probably, not. And probably yeah. not. So, anyway, in, a, in so back to Thor. In a plot lifted, kind of like, basically, I feel like, straight out of the island of Dr. Moreau, um, <laughs> it is revealed that all of the Knights of Wundegor and Porga himself are basically highly evolved humanoid animals right. that are created as a result of experiments that the High Evolutionary is conducting. Um, so, while they're all kind of, like, hanging back and chilling on Wundegor Mountain with the High Evolutionary, who they meet in that, in that uh, issue... One of his wolf creations breaks free and goes rogue, and eventually becomes the villain that you mentioned in your profile, known as Man Beast. Oh yes, uh, who you know, you know is basically going to play a key role with Warlock later on. Um, he just doesn't stay dead though. We're like he does like yeah, three times. He is undefeatable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also, and I mention this because I think it's kind of interesting to see the ties to what Marvel Cinematic Universe might thread down the road. Sure. Um, there's also a few brief scenes here with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Mm, Um, I heard about that. Yes, kind of revealing that they are in the area at the moment trying to recharge their temporarily drained mutant powers. This happened in an issue of the X-Men. Due to the fact that there's a rumor going around that there's a strange energy being emitted from the Wondegore Mountains, which we find out is tied to High Evolutionary doing all of his tests. Mm. So Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are going to come up again in in this little bio, but they're mentioned there. Um, So then let's jump ahead another issue to Thor 135. High Evolutionary reveals that his mask, and alas, uh, underneath it, he is actually surprisingly just a regular dude. He's not like a highly evolved eagle or something. Um, So he's a person. He tells them a sob story about the fact that he began his experiments after his pet Dalmatian was shot and killed. Uh, His name is not John Wick, uh, but rather Herbert Wyndham. Uh, a much less sexy name than John Wick. I really kind of preferred it with that. But yeah, Herbert yeah. Wyndham. Yeah, but old Herbert, uh, he created a ray beam through science, I guess, that evolves animals um, to apparently try and replace his poor Dalmatian with a pet or friend worthy of Herbert's companionship. So that's how I got started.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's some other issues this kid has to deal with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> his interactions with Thor and Jane make him decide he's better off playing God somewhere far away from Earth Um, And as they leave, it's revealed that somehow he also has a rocket ship, uh, whereupon his whole base lifts off Wundergar Mountain into space. Hmm. Ah, classic 1960s Marvel. (laughs) Everything was a
0: rocket ship back
1: then. Well, and I mean, how on earth does he even have a rocket ship? Which, by the way, more ends of having to explain later...
0: Um, how he has the rocket ship yes
1: because really that doesn't make any sense when you move into modern marvel they're like hold on we need to explain some of this 60s shenanigans Uh,
0: yeah (laughs) we gotta go back and fix everything
1: so let's speaking of let's fast forward to the 1980s and this is kind of where it gets into why I'm interested in high evolutionary Okay. so there's an basically he's kind of a dead character for 10 or 15 years you don't see a lot about him in the comics he kind of just he goes off into space in Thor and that's last you see him for a while Hmm. in the 80s they kind of expand his backstory and they start to use him again um, and much of what we know about his past is revealed in a crossover that's actually one of my favorites of all time called The Evolutionary War. Oh, yeah. Now, that ran through most of Marvel's annuals in 1988, and actually it was one of... I discovered this when I was researching it. This was actually one of the first of its kind. Prior to this, crossovers were always within, within the monthly titles themselves, so mm-hmm. if you had, like... Uh, X-Men and Avengers meeting the, that meetup occurred in like the regular X-Men and the regular Avengers title there wasn't like mm-hmm. a separate thing that well
0: that was those ones where you'd have like the first issue would be in like X-Men yes. 166 the second issue would be like Avengers 84 like right. it would hop back and forth between the two correct Yeah. so this was one of the
1: first times that are like no you need to go buy separate issues unrelated to the main story to get this crossover
0: I kind of like that better though because then you can gather those in like an omnibus or a right. like a softback and then you just have the whole run of the evolutionary War. Right, just bam, right there. Which, keep in mind, that
1: kind of thing wasn't done back then. So, yeah. like, that's a modern thing, and that's honestly how I have a lot of my older comics now. Is they've brought them out in omnibus. But back then, if you missed the issues, you were kind of screwed. Like yeah. that was it, especially with the annuals, because these were annuals. They just didn't get collected very often. So, right.
0: Um. All right. They so probably a whole dollar instead of twenty-five cents back then. Uh, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I
1: actually. So I think at that time, I think regular issues were a dollar. And I think the annuals were $1.25. When you were a right. kid? Yeah. Hmm. yeah the they days. were a full dollar? Yeah. Wow. They were either $0.75 cents or a buck. Inflation. Right? So so here's what I remember and why it kind of like is important to me. So I, pull, I at the time I was really reading, and I know I have mentioned this before, I followed G.I. Joe and Spider-Man. Those were yeah. like my two comics I followed.
0: Classics. Yes.
1: So I remember very vividly where I was. I was in a 7-Eleven looking at the spinner rack, and I pulled Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 22. Now – people will possibly know that Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 21 is extremely significant. That was actually the first annual that I ever owned. That one is the wedding of Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Oh! So because I had that annual and it was so cool and as a little kid it blew my mind because it was like double length. So I'm like, yeah. i had so much more story. It was 48 pages. Yes, and it had, <laughs> you know, it had a, I remember
0: it had a breakdown
1: of Peter Parker's apartment. So it had like a... like a.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> I remember those at old comics because yes. I have some older issues where they'd be like, there's a special side thing. Like, here's what... Here's a floor plan of his yeah. apartment. <laughs> this and is like... what the... Let's Ooh. go inside the Daily Bugle. His kitchen
1: <laughs> goes through to his bedroom. That's yeah. so fascinating. Anyways. But as a kid, it was like, I've never seen somebody. It was like extra content. Then yeah. like, now I know what Peter Parker's apartment looks like. So anyway, so because I really like that, I picked up annual t- number 22 uh, only to discover that it was part six of an eleven-part crossover right. <laughs> of the Evolutionary War. I was totally blown away by this guy. I had never read anything by about the High Evolutionary before that. Um, and here's this mysterious character. He's got this funky outfit of kind of like like pinkish purple and silver metal. Mm-hmm. Um, just a very distinctive look. Um, and he was in the comic series in in the Evolutionary War. He was acting very mysterious. He had this kind of weird objective, and you know, it seemed like he was doing something different that to my limited knowledge at the time that villains hadn't really done before and so it really drew me in and I had to go back and try to find the first five parts to understand what was going on Um, I never did find the entire crossover Uh, not all 11 issues I found a lot of them but not all of them Um, and it really bummed me out as a kid like I don't know what's happened you know to the end So, it was a great moment a few years ago when I actually was able to go out and purchase the omnibus hardcover of the entire series. So now I'm like, I finally have the entire run. So, that was a big moment for me. That's a
0: really cool story. I like that. Yeah.
1: But that's why, to me, just as a kid, I remember he was so cool and he was so kind of
0: unknown. So, you're really dating yourself with the spinner racks, though. (laughs) I am dating myself and the dollar 25. And the dollar 25 for the annuals. Yeah. Because now they're like $15. (laughs) Yeah. That's an exaggeration.
1: Yeah. So, um, anyway, in this, in this series, they also went back and explained a lot of his backstory. And one of the things we learned is that Herbert was inspired by the works of Nathaniel Essex, who X-Men mm-hmm. fans will know as the villain, Mr. Sinister. Right. So Nathaniel Essex was a big part in why he was conducting some genetic experimentation. Um, he actually started out by evolving rats in his parents' basement. So, a little darker, darker than what we originally thought of, of him just, you know, his Dalmatian dying and him wanting to resurrect him. Um, so, kind of, you know, went back further. Hyper
0: evolving rats in your basement is kind of a funny. It is image, and but. creepy.
1: So he apparently gained some notoriety from this rat experimentation. Um, and when he's at a conference in Geneva, I mean, it is a weird conference that to me would invite some random guy who evolves rats in his basement to it.
0: Well, but, uh, <laughs> also, it, getting the notoriety from evolving rats in your basement implies that like there are now like human sized two legged rats walking around going, "How's it going?" Yeah, and they're like. Yeah. I mean, now who, we, know where Splinter, there? we know where Splinter came from. Yeah. from the turtles. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know how the crossover between Deadpool and the Turtles right. thing? Boom. That's the origin sure. of Splinter. Okay. See, it yeah. all ties together. It does all tie together. Yeah. I'm sure they intended that. Yeah.
1: Anyway, in this conference, he's approached by Fader, who is one of the members of the race known as the Inhumans. Hmm. Now, at the time, he is disguised, and it is not revealed who does this. And it's not until all the way, it takes 30 years in real life for us to realize in an issue of Fantastic Four in 2012 that Jeez. who this identity of this person was. But it is Fader from The Inhumans. Fader gives him the secret to unlock the genetic code of multiple species. So he basically hands it to him and says, go crazy, here's how you unlock them. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so High Evolutionary then meets up and works with another scientist named
0: Jonathan Drew. Who we will know, comic fans, is the father of the superhero Jessica Drew. Correct. So he and Jonathan Drew set up a base
1: slash rocket ship in the Wondagore Mountains,
0: <laughs> base slash rocket ship,
1: as one does. That turns out the Inhumans actually helped them build. So now I feel a little oh, better about okay. like, okay, so this is how Herbert has his old rocket. They're technologically ship. advanced. They are figuring out. Yeah, they had some spare time, I guess, and yeah. So anyway, but yes, why are they helping out the High Evolutionary? Why well, that much? that's kind of to be determined. I mean, I think the idea was is they're trying Still? to they're it's trying to f- advance sixty years. Well, they're. <laughs> 30, 30, 30. I know, 40, I guess. <laughs> 40 years they're, they're trying to advance uh, genetics, and okay. I think this is one way of doing that. So, okay. I don't know. Don't dig too deep into it. Okay. So, anyway, you mentioned Jessica Drew. She is relevant to this because what happens, this daughter of his that he has um, gets sick because of the two men's experimentation, which includes uranium. So, well, obviously, then. <laughs> So to try and save her, the High Evolutionary treats her with a serum made from spider genetic material, Uh, along with his definitely not cancer-causing evolutionary ray. Sure. Yeah. So she is then placed in suspended animation, and Zachary, who will she eventually become?
0: She will eventually become the Jessica Drew that we all know today.
1: As Spider
0: Woman. Yes. Yeah. That's the part I was looking for. Okay. We're looking for that very specific. Well,
1: because spider genetic anyways i guess
0: that's true no one would because i mean people wouldn't really know her. People, really, people probably wouldn't really know her as her person probably not i guess yeah so. i mean
1: some people would but anyways uh so she yes becomes spider woman so high evolutionary kind of has this like he touches a lot of different character creations in a way that it might not be obvious at first mm-hmm. right we wouldn't have spider woman without high evolutionary um anyway so his armor this very distinctive armor i mentioned is actually given a backstory as well It's revealed that all his work around dangerously uh, highly evolved animal-human hybrids might come with a risk if any decided to attack him. Um, Not to mention the Mountains of Wundegar, basically, which they're kind of a stand-in for Transylvania in the Marvel Universe. Mm. Which is really ironic, I think, because Transylvania also exists in the 616 Universe through Tomb of Dracula. Right. Anyway, this was this was a stand-in for Transylvania. So basically what that means is the Mountains of Wendigur also happen to have a ton of dangerous kind of mythical werewolf being, you know, vampire being type creatures running around as well. Blade? Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically there's these dangers to him, right? So um, in fact... Well, that's Her- what he gets for building a rocket ship base <laughs> in the middle of the mountains. So in fact, um, his partner, Jonathan Drew, actually does... Not only does he lose his daughter to that sickness... But he loses his wife, and she gets killed by a werewolf attack hmm. um, by another familiar name. The father of recent MCU feature Werewolf by Night character Jack Russell. Oh, yeah. So the father of Jack Russell kills Jonathan Drew's wife. Because he's also a werewolf. Correct. So when all this happens, High Evolutionary kind of goes, you know, I don't really want to get attacked myself, so I'm going to build this really cool armor, and it's going to help protect me. So that's where his armor comes from.
0: Okay. His armor does look pretty, pretty sick.
1: Yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah. So it's around this time that he creates the new men, which are the evolved humanoid animals that we talked about earlier. They become the knights of, of Wundagore and are basically his muscle and his forced labor in his experiments.
0: Um, so remember, we mentioned we'll also we'll we'll see that in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three as well on Counter. I believe that's they have like the animal people and stuff. Yeah,
1: there. yeah. There's a scene in the trailer with them kind of sort of playing catch with some of them with these yes. Beans are in the face. Correct, of it. and yeah. you can see some of them have these animalistic characteristics. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so remember we mentioned Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch earlier? Yes. All right. Well, it is revealed that the High Evolutionary had a hand in their origin as well. Sure. So their, their mother, Magda, allegedly, and I say allegedly for a reason, allegedly gave birth to them on Wondegore Mountain. And as a result, they are cared for by Bova Ayrshire, who is an evolved cow-like creature. I was going to say, Bova. <laughs> created by his experiments. Uh, The reason I say allegedly is recently in Scarlet Witch, they are starting to retcon that origin Mm. and imply that maybe Magda wasn't their actual mother. But for now, that's the origin that
0: we have. Well, okay. So if Magneto's their father, right? we just don't know who their mother is now? I mean, I'm sure Scarlet Witch will reveal it. But
1: at this point in time, they're starting to cast doubt on whether it's Magda. Okay. Well, she has a new
0: run, so I'm sure we're going to see something about it.
1: And there's a lot of new interest in her, which is probably why they're starting to kind of tighten up her origin and
0: play some things with it. So, sure. Yeah. Well, being born on Wendegore Mountain is an interesting origin story. Yeah. It
1: is. So, again, we see High Evolutionary's impact on their lives, right? His, yeah. his uh, creation cared for them and raised them from a child up until their you know, teens or whatever.
0: Something people may not know about Quicksilver and Wanda. <laughs> yes.
1: So... Now we're, it all that just got us to the point where we left him, which was launched into space at the end of Thor number 135. So you can see Marvel went way back in the 80s and added all this backstory to him just to bring him up to Thor 135 when he takes off in the rocket ship. So uh, he has some adventures and misadventures in space. Uh, like he evolves into a disembodied intelligence. He gains the power to evolve creatures with his mind instead of his ray. Um, he gets returned to a normal human form, yada, yada, yada. So all this stuff happens to him. He returns to Earth... Well, to the area around Earth, I should say. And he uses technology and abilities to take an asteroid that was in counter-orbit to Earth and evolve it until it could support life. This being counter-Earth, which you mentioned earlier. Right. His goal in that was to create a better Earth that would be free of evil. So again, this is part of that motivation that I find interesting in what we consider to be a villain. But he's somebody who's like, no, I'm trying to create a better earth that is free of evil that we can all just
0: be happy on. Well, when you have a villain in in stories, you have one of two things. Someone who you have – you have a sociopath and a psychopath. You have a psychopath who just does bad things because they like doing bad things Mm -hmm. for no reason, Mm -hmm. like the Joker. You have a sociopath – who thinks they're doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing, but they're doing the bad the wrong things. Right. Like the high evolutionary or Loki or something something right. like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you'll see, Marvel has kind of started to twist him more and more into a villain, mm-hmm. but but early on, I don't think that was the intent. I think the intent was to be more of this kind of weird, like I said, Dr. Moreau kind of character who, you know, does some things, but maybe isn't all bad, and I think they've altered that as time has gone on, but...
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it kind of seems like in the bio I was reading about Adam Warlock, that Adam Warlock almost kind of looked at him as, like, his father, right? and when he was told that he would be responsible for his death, that hit him really hard. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, all right, so he's created Counter-Earth, Man-Beast comes in and works some corruption into it like you talked about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see Warlock and all that, so I'm going to skip some of that because you have already covered that in the profile. Now, one thing that does happen, um, High Evolutionary does have a bit of a face-off with Galactus, which you kind of alluded to. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that happens, he actually teams up with Gore the God Butcher, which I thought was kind of interesting, that tie back to Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his new men along with the Fantastic Four and they end up preventing Galactus from devouring Counter-Earth but that was his goal
0: which I will say too Gore the God Butcher was a much more interesting and compelling character in the comics than he was in Thor Love and yes. Thunder it was a big letdown from who because he was this all-powerful creature with the Necro Sword, which is literally a symbiote in and of itself mm-hmm. who was sole purpose was to slaughter gods yeah like, it was a very compelling, very interesting story. He was, well, ext- it, like, an extremely powerful character.
1: I like his role in the Thor movie. I just wish they wouldn't have killed him off already. Because I feel yeah. like that's what takes away his ability to add more of those layers that's to character. That's another
0: character that you can put in Eternals. Because his right. whole thing is hunting down the Celestials. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it definitely was laid out there for them. Yeah. All right, so now we are to the point in the storyline where Evolutionary War is taking place. The actual war. So okay. remember in those yeah. annuals, they had two stories. They had a backstory and then they had the actual event. Um, the basic gist of this war was that High Evolutionary decided it was time to really set his sights high. He was going to play a bit of God. And he was going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to decide who is an evolutionary dead end and who is not. And I'm going to euthanize everyone that I think is a dead end. Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So now he takes a bit of a turn towards the dark side. That kind of sounds like Hitler. But- but in a way, <laughs> yes. Um, so he created these groups that he called the Gatherers, the Purifiers, and the Eliminators And he sent them out to basically collate these target groups of people or heroes that he wanted to keep or destroy. And then he had them do that. So that was the gist of the annuals and the evolutionary war was, you know, all these different heroes getting attacked by the purifiers or the eliminators or the gatherers and what was going on there. Um, This this less than honorable task led to a lot of fights. So we saw Spider-Man, the X-Men, Fantastic Four. Eventually the Avengers had to step in and the Avengers are the ones who stopped him in the end. Um, he had what he called the Genesis Chamber, no doubt stolen straight from Star Trek Three, A Search from Spock. Probably. Uh, anywhere he inadvertently turned... It, it, it activated during the fight, and it inadvertently, tur- inadvertently turned him, along with the Avenger Hercules, um, into such an evolved being that they both blipped out of existence. So it basically evolved into the point that they didn't exist on Earth anymore in our space of the universe. Um, hmm. At least until Thor 406 in 1989. When Thor undercovers a plot by that Count Tagar person, remember I mentioned him way back at the beginning? Yeah. Um, where this Count um, basically is trying to bring back the high evolutionary, who he says still exists in some form in the Black Galaxy.
0: Um, so-, so is the Black Galaxy just where all these like hyper powerful people go <laughs> that just can't exist in our world? They're just like.
1: I think it was a type of multiverse before Marvel really leaned into multiverses, mm. kind of.
0: He's just in there chilling, having tea with ego. And yes. he's like, I still haven't come back. It's been. <laughs> You know, 20 years since I said I would come back, I still haven't come back. So, Thor agrees to help
1: because he wants to bring back his frenemy, Hercules. Right. right? right. So, he says, Okay, I'll help you out because of that. And with an assist from the Celestials, both High Evolutionary and Hercules are returned to normal at the end of Thor 407. So, by the end of 1989, High Evolutionary is back to where he is and he's. Back in existence. However, he goes right back to his old shenanigans. Of course. And decides that he will focus on creating new gods using his evolutionary abilities. This doesn't go so well and it kind of drives him mad. Um, this is around the time when Warlock has his final battle with Man Beast to save Counter Earth. So that's where we're at in that sequence. Now, we go a long time now until we see High Evolutionary again after he goes crazy. The next time we see him is after the events of House of M. Oh. Yes. Now, House of M that's for those. way later. Yes. For those who don't know, this saw a Scarlet Witch basically go
0: crazy, and she depowered most of the mutants on Earth. That was the gist of House of M. Well, it wasn't House of M, like, in, like, X-Men, like, f- it was, like, in the 500s, wasn't it? Well, it was... It like, was a, like, it's way down the road from
1: this. It was in the early 2000s, um, and it was basically its own thing. So it had its own, like, event. Its own run. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, so at that point, she says no more mutants, and when that happens, all right. but 198 of them are depowered. That's that's a very specific number. I think at one point, I can't remember for sure, but at one point I think they tried to explain why that number. And it was just like, because that's what Marvel decided. Um, That's not an explanation. No, I know. Well, they actually, so I read an interview, because I actually read it when it came out. um, And I read an interview at the time by the creators who said Marvel had a whiteboard. And they actually wrote out the names of all 198 mutants that they wanted to save and keep the powers of. And then the rest were gone. Because at the time, Marvel felt like they had too many mutants. So they wanted to, right. like, pair them down to,
0: like, key ones. Right, I remember that. Because that House of M thing was solely just because they were like, there's too many of them. Mm-hmm. And now we're at the
1: point where, with Krakoa and all that stuff
0: now, where we have millions
1: of mutants. So it's like Marvel's reversed completely and been like, no, more yeah. mutants, more mutants. Everyone's more mutants.
0: mutants. What's funny to me, too, is they came this close to retconning Spider-Man to be a mutant as well. Yeah, that's right. Because of that stuff after right. House of M. And so it was really funny to me, too, that they went so extreme. And they're like, she's like, no more mutants except for 198 and maybe Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> of all of the most popular ones, it just happened that it was all yeah. of, like, Cyclops. And so if she like-
0: says no more mutants... Why are there still 198? Right, I
1: know, and that's what I'm saying. There was an explanation they attempted; it was pretty weak.
0: Yeah, their explanation is Stanley was like, "No."
1: <laughs> I don't think Stanley was involved in <laughs> no, that point. wasn't.
0: But well, Stanley in the Marvel Universe is like basically a. Girl. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. see He's I mean? like Ego, of the Living. He planet. like protects yeah. them. Yeah.
1: All right. Anyways, going back to High <laughs> Evolutionary. So he, uh, after House of M, he gets consulted by the X Man Beast um, in an attempt to figure out is there any way to reverse her curse. And while he can't restore all of them, he does figure out, conveniently, how to reactivate the powers of arguably the X-Men's biggest villain, Magneto. Of course. Yeah. And this happens in Uncanny X-Men 507. So there's your numbering for you. Okay. So it's around
0: 507. So he's like, I can't bring back all of your powers, but I will bring back your greatest villain <laughs> That's just <right>. for you. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, arguably one reason why it sells comics
1: is to have Magneto in them, so obviously they had to power him back up. But does
0: that have something to do with the fact that he was very close with Scarlet Witch and? In- Quicksilver to bring their dad back, I mean, essentially?
1: Yeah, I and mean, that probably added some layers to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could go that route. So anyway, so then now we
1: jump ahead a little more, and in the more, more recent events, mm-hmm. uh, like in the last couple of years, the High Evolutionary has again set up shop on Counter-Earth okay. um, and attempted to create a new set of as evolved new men. Um, every time he found a perceived flaw in one, though, he kills them. Which leads to a lot of his flaws deciding to get the heck out of dodge. Yeah, uh, so that's just gonna make
0: more man beasts,
1: right. So they run away. So they are given refuge by a person called the low evolutionary, really Hold uh, on. <laughs> I know, really on point naming here, who, as the name suggests, is kind of a mirror of the high evolutionary. <laughs> Uh, we, by the way, we also learned later on of another more compassionate being called the Higher Evolutionary. And at this What's point, it happening? It's kind of getting silly. Like, I'm waiting for them to face off against the low, 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 low evolutionary with his apple-bottom jeans and boots with the fur. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Most recent events. Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 16, as you mentioned, Craven the Hunter, seeks out the High Evolutionary and makes a deal with him to create 87 clones of himself and have the clones go out into the world and prove their worth. Instead, one clone calling himself the last son of Craven kills all the rest, and that's where we're at.
0: I just want to know Craven the Hunter, okay? okay. Was this big game hunter, sure, who spent most of his time in Africa killing things with his bare hands? Okay? Yeah.
1: Basically Tarzan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He goes to one of the most powerful beings in the entire universe somehow and is like, "Make more of me." 87, specifically. <laughs> It's kind of like 198. Did Marvel must have a random number generator somewhere? Spin the
1: wheel? Tick, 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 tick. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 87. There was a point in the comics, too, that I saw where Spider-Man, it was the whole stuff with um, Aunt May. Okay. Where he eventually makes the deal with Mephisto to keep her alive, Uh right? And Mary Jane is like, whatever. That whole thing that makes you upset. Yes. Um, He first, before he went to Mephisto, he went to the High Evolutionary and asked for his help, and he said he couldn't do anything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So he did try, he did go to the high evolutionary, he's like, Can you save her? And she's like he's like, mm, no. <laughs> no. Magneto, yes, you know. Yeah. Magneto, yeah. sure. Yeah. MA, nah. I'll pass. <laughs> so anyway, that is the wacky history of the high evolutionary. So here's my suspicion in the MCU. He'll die right into the Galaxy Three. None of this will ever happen in the MCU.
1: Yeah, I mean they do have this bad habit of wiping out yeah, their they're characters. Villains. Yeah. They're villains. Yeah. They're
0: villains specifically. The exception to that of course being Loki. Loki's mm-hmm. the only one that has kept going. But Thanos, gone. God, Gore the God Butcher, gone. Ego the Living Planet, gone.
1: Don't you think it's because in the, in a,
0: in a, the way that movie audiences expect things to go... It needs a wrap up. Yes, yeah.
1: you can't let the villain escape because then everyone's like, well, wh- where's the next movie? Are they going to capture him in the next one? I think the point of that whole movie? Right, it? they're trained differently than comics audiences to look at storylines. Comi-
0: comics audiences expect a continuation.
1: Yes, because yes. if you don't, then your comic run ends, and yes. that's not going to happen. So. Right.
0: Yeah. So I think what will happen is we'll see him have set up okay. Counter-Earth, which we... No, he did because of the trailer, and we see his new men. We'll probably see a version of Man Beast at some point. I would imagine, like some rogue creation of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Adam Warlock there on Counter Earth, which is why I suspect that he probably has possession of Adam Warlock in some one way or another, and Adam is working for him in some way. Yeah,
1: I mean, I get it's an interesting idea. I get it. I I could see that.
0: But then. We're not going to see the higher evolutionary. We're not going to see the low evolutionary. We're not going to see Let's this whole thing not. where he fights with Thor and Hercules. Right. No, none of that's going to happen. He's going to die and it's going to be it.
1: No, I, I agree. And I th- I'd be curious what the user's motivation for all this and yeah. how much of that they get into. Yeah. I
0: could even see, because of the comics doing this, I could even see him, him dying because of Adam Warlock. Like, I could see Adam being the one who kills him.
1: Yeah, I mean... I and agree, then escaping
0: it, it, on his own to go find his destiny in space or whatever and find his new purpose.
1: One of the challenges of using a character actor of that level as well is that I'm not sure that he's going to want to commit long-term to a Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there again, I think you got a situation... It's the same thing you see with Christian Bale. Right. Like... I think one of the reasons they kill them off too is they know they're not going to be able to bring these people back. Right. You know, so right. they just are like, well, let's just kill them, which is unfortunate because like High Evolutionary I think had some potential beyond this one movie, but we'll yeah. see.
0: Well, because you, you could even do like an Evolutionary War mm-hmm. movie, like a two-parter like they do with Endgame. Yeah. That would have worked. Yeah.
1: The tough thing with the movie universe, though, I think is because there's only a limited amount of movies and they, you know, they only do a couple a year versus comics have hundreds of issues come out a year between all the different runs. They're they're picking the highlights, right? They're like, what what main big storylines like Secret War, like Secret Invasion do we want to hit? You know, and what ones don't we care about? And my guess is Evolutionary War is not high enough on their radar.
0: I suppose. I... I understand that as a, as a producer, I get that. Yeah. I understand that, 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 that piece, but unfortunately that means you miss out on a lot of potential storylines as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah.
1: All right. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and do our bugle bites.
0: Alright guys, welcome back to another segment of Bugle Bites. This time we have some news for you guys. Uh, It's not as much as last time, but there's still quite a bit. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump in and bring you guys the latest Marvel news. Uh, So first up, um, Nightcrawler is the new Uncanny Spider-Man. Because I know we talked about this a little bit last time that the Uncanny Avengers are coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that usually means is... X Men roles tend to take over some of the Avenger roles and form their own team, uh, and they're they're having Nightcrawler get his own Spider Man suit, which is kind of a funny combination to me. It is a funny combination. I mean, he is he's a gymnast and an athlete and all that, so it kind of makes sense. But it was flipping around. But yeah. he can teleport. Doesn't shoot webs. Right. Has a tail. It's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> at first, I thought it was one of those because they're doing the Spider Verse covers where they're turning mm. all the superheroes into Spider Men as like just a cover. I thought it was that at first, and then I saw the headline, and I was like, oh. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting, but yeah. So that's coming up soon. All right. And we've got um, some
1: comic news. So Marvel Age number 1000 uh, is a special issue that debuts in August, August 31st, uh, celebrating the 84 years of Marvel stories. So this is kind of a a big thing with a number of different creators. Um, They're going to have folks like J. Michael Straczynski, uh, Dan Slott, Mark Wade, Jason Aaron, uh, quite a few more. Um, They're going to write stories, little short stories, for characters featuring uh, like Captain Marvel. Uh, We hear Cyclops and Jean Grey, uh, Silver Surfer, Thor, Spider-Man, Daredevil, just a lot of different characters. And the goal is basically to just kind of celebrate these characters' existence inside the Marvel Universe. So I'm sure that the stories will be kind of maybe tongue-in-cheek or maybe have some Easter eggs about their past. Awesome. Kind of light, probably fun stories. So I'll definitely check that out. So Marvel Age 1000 comes out October 31st
0: that sounds like fun or august 31st Uh, yes Um, thank you that sounds like fun because i know a lot of the heroes and a lot of the teams are turning 60 this year Mm -hmm. um so this is kind of like a fun way to celebrate 60 years of of marvel stories that's pretty cool yeah definitely yeah uh, so, in other news, something I'm very excited for, uh, the Stan Lee documentary is coming to Disney Plus straight to streaming on June 16th. So that's coming up here soon, and it's going to be a documentary all about Stan Lee and the creation of Marvel. That's right. So cool. I think it'll be pretty, pretty awesome, and it's, it's, it's a good tribute to him uh, since now he's, he's gone and passed on, and we yeah. now get to have this, this look into who he was and what his life was like. So that's cool. Very nice. I like it. Yeah, so that's coming out on June 16th. Alright, so in some less happy news... Um,
1: Jonathan Majors, we've got some more information from him kind of coming up back into the spotlight. Again, I want to stress at this point, these are alleged accusations. They mm-hmm. are not, at, at the time of this podcast recording, um, there has not been a determination one way or the other. Um, however, he recently was dropped by his talent agency um, and his PR team uh, following these abuse allegations that were made against him. We have since learned that one of perhaps the original victim who came forward um, actually has worked with him on Ant Man and the Lost Quantum Mania. We don't know the role of that person, that, I mean, appropriately was not released. So, yeah. you know, we don't know if this was a crew member, if this was a cast member. Uh, it was someone, though, involved in the production of, of Ant Man. Um, there have been an additional multiple victims come forward alleging other abuse instances. Um, they are working with the Manhattan District Attorney. Um, he does have a court appearance set for May 8th, um, right around you know, just after Guardians releases. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, Marvel hasn't commented at this, at this point, again, at the time of the recording here. Um, but there's whispers that they may potentially be looking to recast him. Uh, which I do think makes sense if he is convicted. I, I feel yeah. like at that point they wouldn't have a choice. Um, but there hasn't been any official announcement, and again, Marvel has not commented at this point in time.
0: Yeah, but there has been some potential movements towards at least keeping some eyes open for yeah. potential recasts.
1: I mean, I think they'd probably have to do their due diligence. If this if this yeah. happens, they're going to want to be able to announce it pretty quickly that they're moving on. Um, so we'll, we'll see what unfolds. and
0: yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, again, like you said, this is all alleged. Nothing has actually come out and said, like, this is what happened yet. So we just have to wait and see, uh, see what happens on May 8th. Yeah. Uh, In some other news, according to Marvel Insiders, Jeff Snyder and Daniel Rickman, who we've heard from before, uh, and it was featured in the Direct as well uh, earlier this year, Adam Driver is in talks to play Reed Richards in Josh Friedman's Fantastic Four. All right. How do you feel about that? Not good. (laughs) Here's the thing. Really? Adam Driver is... Actually, has proven himself to be a good actor. Mm -hmm. I believe since Star Wars, he has proven that he can do very, very, very like a wide range of roles. A very, very good actor. But I don't see him as a Reed Richards because Reed Richards has this very specific kind of persona. Mm -hmm. He's not like he Adam Driver almost plays the more like emo kid roles a lot of times. And he has this kind of, like, there's a very specific tonage to him when he plays a character. Um, and I just feel like it's not conducive to what Reed Richards should be. Personally, personally, I'm willing to give it a shot and mm. see what he does. But my personal opinion is that the perfect Reed Richards was already cast. <laughs> Yeah, but it's time to move on. They've already <laughs> made it clear that he's spaghetti. Yeah, but it's stupid because <laughs> they make, they they only let Raimi do it because it's Raimi, but he was so he nailed it instantly, first try nailed it. As like an older Reed Richards, like mm-hmm. an older, wiser Reed Reed Richards. He did such a good job and he's got the look to him. He looks like Reed Richards. Like I don't I don't get it. Why yeah. not? Why not?
1: I I just think Marvel wanted a different kind of role, and it's possible, too, that John Krasinski, you know, for all the talk about, you know, what went into Wired, why not they didn't have him, it could be too busy. I mean, he's got the Tom Clancy show that he's just, I think, just wrapped, you know, but he's in demand, and my my question is, maybe they just felt like they couldn't get him enough. Well, he is still
0: working on Quiet Place, so it's possible he just doesn't have the time. Um we know that he did previously turn down the role of Captain America as mm-hmm. well, so it's possible that he just doesn't feel like long-term Marvel exposure yeah. is what he wants. So, um, so going back well. to Adam
1: Driver for a minute, yeah. so I know you've seen Midnight Express, the movie Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. So he actually has a role in that movie um, of kind of a, I don't know if it's, an, I don't remember if it's an FBI agent or some sort of agent where he's investigating what's going on with this kid and, and his, his family.
0: Uh, and in that, you movie, mean midnight special? Sorry, sorry that just clicked. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got right. I was like, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, yeah midnight right. special, midnight special. Yeah, yes. Um, and
1: in that movie, you know, it's a mixed movie. It's it's got some things I really like about it. But anyway, Adam Driver's mm-hmm. performance in it is somewhat reminiscent of a performance I think he could give us as Mr. Fantastic. Okay. So I I will buy that he could do it. Um, and he just
0: I, doesn't have the look to him. His hair's always long, but he could cut it. Well, he so. cut it short. Yeah. Um, I think what he has... I don't know, so there's just something missing, I feel like.
1: Yeah, and I get that. I get that, especially after his his turn in Star Wars, but yeah. I feel like what he does have is he has this ability to kind of play this slightly nerdy, um, but yet grounded character that has like,
0: some emotion. Um, yeah. Because yeah. that's I what he did in Midnight Special. Right. Yeah. Right. So and we'll see. And there was you. another... Oh, what movie was he in where he kind of had that same kind of like, like he wore glasses and he had... Oh, it's going to come in that it's blanking. But I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. It is possible. Um, it would have to be done right. I would have to see evidence. <laughs> Give me some set pictures. Let me see them in the suit. Um, I don't know. It's definitely interesting because I just worry. Part of me worries about the Fantastic Four. Just solely because of the last few iterations of it right. that have come to screen haven't been great. Right. Um, and so I am a little nervous. But never run by Marvel, though. True. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It still makes me nervous. Yeah. But I'm willing to I mean, Adam Driver has proven himself to be a good actor. This is something that I haven't seen him perform a whole lot, but it is something that that is possible. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll just see. Because again, this is not an official announcement. Right. Um, so I'm waiting to see if they're actually gonna go through with this or not. But I, I project because we already have gotten information about Josh Friedman writing it, I project that soon we will get for sure casting announcements. Yeah. yeah. So
1: do you think with characters as large as the Fantastic Four, as important to the universe, mm-hmm. do you think they will seed them in movies ahead of Fantastic Four?
0: Yes, I absolutely do.
1: I feel like they will too, and that's another reason to cast them sooner rather than later. Right. That's yeah. why I
0: think they're already starting the casting process, even though Fantastic Four is two years from now. Right. Um, is I for sure feel like we're going to see at least Reed Richards at the end after credit scene of a movie coming yeah. up. Yeah. potentially even Secret Invasion because he was a big deal in the comics with Secret Invasion. Yeah, that'd be
1: interesting. I don't know. If that one feels to me like it's already done, but they
0: did... They, it is were, done, but they haven't said. I mean, yeah. they could just be keeping it a secret. Those yeah. end credit scenes are always secretive. Well, and I mean,
1: they'll, they don't take more than a day to film. So, I mean, right. if they were able to cast him quickly and then film it now, like they he could, could at
0: it. Mr. Fantastic could already be cast. Right. And this is just rumors bubbling up. I,
1: I doubt... Personally, I don't think we'll see him in Secret Invasion, but yeah. I do think we would see him... I think they're going to want to hold him off until a movie just for the... the um, punch of that re- revelation versus in a TV show. Sure. Um, but I can totally see an end credits of a movie coming out, mm-hmm. for sure. So anyway, that's news there. Yeah, and then we have some good news for those of you who have a Disney Plus subscription. Uh, so Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man trilogy, Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man, uh, both of those joined Disney Plus on April 21st, so they are now available for those of you who would like to see those. Mm-hmm. Um, and in perhaps more popular news, I would guess, um, Tom Hollands uh, the Spider-Man homecoming movie is going to arrive on May 12th to Disney plus. So the, the reason this is kind of cool is Sony movies up until now have been segregated from Disney plus because they're not technically Disney movies. They're not right. owned by Disney. Um, but somehow Disney must have worked out a deal with Sony where they have a you know brought them
0: into Disney plus which is great. What's interesting to me about it is all three Tobey Maguire movies are on there, but only the first Amazing Spider-Man mm. is on there, and only the first Tom Holland one is going to be on there, as of right now. I suspect that that is because this is a
1: fishing experiment to see how much streaming they get. I could, I would buy that. Yeah, and then if it's worth it, then they're going to have to hammer out the details of how much they're going to pay Sony for the rights to use them and things like that.
0: Yeah. hmm Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, there's also been some bubbles up around the Marvel pool. That um <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a pool that they all go to, like a swimming pool.
1: It's a metaphor. That Stan Lee's hanging out in swim trunks. And, it's a metaphor. And that. a white thing on his nose, you know, the
0: white sun cream. It's a metaphor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that Spider-Man Four is beginning, kind of pre-production phase. Okay. So that'd be interesting to see too when they announce like who's writing that and stuff.
1: Hmm. Now, when you say bubbles, is it because they're like passing gas in the pool? All right, guys. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Uh, I don't know. Sure. Alright, that was a good analogy. Alright, let's talk about what we're going to talk about next episode. Yeah, so next episode, we are going to be, by that time, Guardians will be out, and we'll be removing, reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 awesome yes that is going to be the primary thing we're going to cover next episode That's going to be exciting we're and going to have a, a guest on that one too i think
1: yep and we're going to release it uh, pretty quickly after the movie comes out so i think our yeah. plan is to do it that. like weekend. we did with quantumania yep. yeah yep.
0: so that people get it and we're going to do a spoiler free and a spoiler filled just like we did with ant-man so that you guys can decide whether or not you want to see it and whatever yeah so, yeah Totally fun we're super excited for that uh and as always we thank you guys for tuning into this episode Our 10th episode. Yes. This is exciting. Yes, it is. Very much so. I remember back when we were first just kind of talking about wanting to do a podcast and then we finally settled on Marvel um, and then we um, just like did it for fun and we didn't realize that it was going to go this far. At least I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Like I low-key kind of thought that we would film like two or three and then (laughs) they would just kind of die. But now we're on episode 10 and we're still going and there's a lot to talk about. So it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, and we definitely appreciate the support uh, from everyone as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as always, guys, comment uh, and send us your opinions and your suggestions and all of those things uh, on our socials at Nerds and Suits. Uh, and you can also send us an email at nerdsandsuitspod at gmail.com. So, uh...
1: Oh, snap. I just dropped my phone.
0: Well, you know what you need. I need, oh, snap, phone grips. That's right. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, guys, mind mind the the snap. We'll see you next time.